You are listening to the Ridgewood Church Podcast. Amen. Go to have a seat. Thank you very much for being here this morning. If you're like me, you woke up this morning and you said to yourself, what day is it? What year is it? Who am I? But here you are. And so I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for allowing me to do double duty. I love playing with the musicians. It's great to get to know them better. And I'm a great doorway for desperation for Wendy. So, you know, it's hard to believe it's only two days until 2019. And as I stood in Times Square just back in November, and Wendy and I were crushed in by the crowds, I said to myself, I will never, ever be here on New Year's Eve, ever. But indeed, they will have a celebration. The ball will drop, but sadly, there won't be any spiritual component to that. But as followers of Jesus, we can stop and we can pause and we can thank God for all of his goodness during this past year. And in the case of Ridgewood, that's a lot. And I'm going to share that with you in a few minutes. But just as important, if not more so, than marking these different goals met and gifts from God is acknowledging the person of whom this all flows through, and that is Jesus Christ. And the Apostle Paul will remind us this morning that Jesus is the center. All of the promises of God are met in Jesus. And so we can count on those promises because of the work of Christ. Because of Jesus, we can move into the future with courage. We can tackle hardship with hope. And we can trust all the promises of God because they are yes in Christ. And so today I have a simple goal. I want you to leave with your heart full of gratitude. I want you to leave challenged that there can be even more as we come together and work to build God's kingdom. And so for just a few minutes today, we're pausing to praise the one who never wavers. This is what we do as Jesus followers. While they're dropping the ball, we're praising and praying because we know that God is faithful. So let me take you to a text this morning. You've probably already got a hint to what it is, but it's in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20. 2 Corinthians 1, 20. We're going to look at one verse this morning. It's page number 964 if you want to grab that Bible in the seat back in front of you. And of course, you can use the Ridgewood app as well and all the text and study notes will be there. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20. So here's the context for this one verse we're going to study this morning. There was an apparent change in Paul's itinerary. Now, he enjoyed coming to visit the Corinthians often, but for some reason this time his plans changed. And so his opponents used the opportunity to attack Paul. And the word was spreading that Paul wasn't reliable. Now, later in the chapter, he'll explain more about what's happening with his schedule. But he was more concerned that because he was being attacked, that some might see the gospel message as being unreliable. And so what he does here in this section is he affirms the gospel because his message never vacillated. It never changed. 
And he uses the term yes often in 17 and 18 as an affirmation regarding the truthfulness of the gospel. At the heart of the message is Jesus Christ. It's the person of Christ who completely affirms all of God's promises to his people. And so we can, no matter what we're facing, as Paul would exclaim here in verse 19, in him, Christ, it is always a yes to the promises of God. So that leads us to verse 20. Here, Paul will remind us of this truth. For all of the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. All of the promises of God find their yes in him. Paul's preaching was absolutely Christocentric. He was focused on Jesus like a laser beam. He, of course, had met Christ on the road to Damascus. He loved Jesus. He was called into ministry by Jesus. He understood that Jesus was the only way that we can be reconciled to God. And so he knew that through Christ, this message would never waver. That's the first point I want to make this morning to you is, Christ is the groundwork for all of the promises of God. Christ is the groundwork. If if you lose Jesus, you don't have anything. And so as we move forward as a church, it's really important that we stay true to the Christocentric nature of the gospel, the exclusivity of Christ for salvation, the necessity of remission of sins through the work of Jesus on the cross. If we begin to wander from that central message, then our theology will be watered down, will lead people astray, and empty pews will appear everywhere, as they are in many mainline churches that have walked away from the centrality of the gospel. And Paul knew this, and that's why he was concerned. He was thinking, wow, they think I'm unreliable. Maybe they're going to doubt my message. But he just affirmed that his message wasn't about him. His message was about Jesus. And in Jesus, nothing ever changes because every promise is affirmed in Christ. And not only is it affirmed in Jesus, but it is available to all of us, even though we don't deserve this at all. Calvin would call the promises of God testimonies of divine grace. All of the messages that are included in the gospel, the gifts of salvation, the gift of empowerment, the gift of eternal life, is all because of God's grace through the work of Jesus. So that's the next thing to keep in mind as we're pausing to praise the one who never wavers. God's promises are based on his grace. And sometimes we forget that. And we, we try to like muscle our way through the Christian life. But maybe this year, how about if... If you try just resting and relying on God, relying on the promises of God, even though it humanly appears as if those promises are never going to be answered or met, this is where faith comes in. This is where we know Jesus. This is where we trust Jesus. And what Paul is saying is if you know Jesus, then you never have to doubt that the promises of God are going to happen. Now, they may happen differently than what we expect, They may happen at different times than what we expect, but we can trust them. So you don't have to try so hard. You don't have to strive so hard. You just accept this gift of grace that comes 
from God. And then when you accept that grace, here's something that I think is really important, is that motivates you then to go out and tell others about Jesus. If you think that you have this thing tackled, if you think somehow that you're God's present at Christmas time, He's so lucky to have you, then you're not going to have any motivation to go save others. But when you understand that you are broken and rescued by God for no good reason except for His grace in your life, then that is motivating because we want others to experience that same grace. And so be motivated. Make this a year of coming out of your shell. Make this a year of sharing Christ. Make this a year where you take baby steps maybe at your office or in school and you start letting people in to who you are as a person and you will find that they will respond as you walk with Jesus. And so we have this amazing grace that's based on Christ and it's based on this next principle too and that's God's adopted children are the ones that receive this promise. You are an adopted child, therefore you have access to the promises of God. Now, when he says yes in Christ, it's yes in Christ for those who follow Jesus. And adoption is this amazing doctrine. We don't talk about it a lot. Sometimes it's confusing so we don't get to it. But here's what adoption really means. It means that Jesus, who is the cause and root of all the promises and the gospel itself, has invited us in as full members of God's family. But it also means is that God is only father to his children. Now, it's not that he doesn't love the world. The Bible says that God so loved the world. He said that he loved us while we were yet sinners. But what I am saying is that the promises are only available to those that follow Jesus, and that only happens through adoption. And that adoption comes through receiving the work of Jesus Christ, the work of his, of his incredible sacrifice on the cross, the work of his resurrection, the work of his priesthood, his kingship, receiving that into our lives, as Wendy described that man did. That's when we become children of God. And then we can be sure that all of our promises are ratified in Jesus because he is the seal. So that means that as an adopted child of God, you can live with empowerment and you can live with an abundance that you don't think is possible because maybe it isn't lining up for you right now. But it is there. That's not the prosperity gospel. That's just finding more of Jesus. As an adopted child, you will never die. That's kind of a big deal. We should talk about that more. You will reign with Jesus. You will rule with Jesus. Really? Yes. And not only that, but you will be a full heir of his kingdom. That's what's available because of God's grace. How do we know these promises are true? Because Jesus is the center. He's the one that never wavers. Paul actually talks about this in the book of Romans. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And by glorified, what Paul is talking about here is that time 
when we will receive our new bodies and we will enter into eternal rest with God forever. When you die, you will be with Christ immediately. But then there's another event that happens. If you read through the book of Revelation and other scripture, that the glorification happens to the believer when the judgments are over and then we enter into this eternity of heaven. And that's glorification. And all of the resources, all of the beautiful things that God has access to, he is giving to his son, who in return allows us to partake. That's the amazing thing about Jesus. He's the center of all of this. And so we need to be understanding that it's grace that makes this possible. Adoption is what allows us to enter into all of this, but Jesus is the one who never wavers. And the Father, because of his wisdom, thought it right to do all of this through his son, Jesus, who gave of himself on the cross. So the way this works out for Ridgewood Church is this. We had a great 2018, and we're going to have a great 2019. God worked in amazing ways at Ridgewood Church in 2018. And so Wendy said it best. There are things going on here that sometimes we're not aware of. And sometimes when we just count the normal metrics, even those are good, but we don't hear the stories that are going on behind the scenes. We don't have a feel for the work of God amongst us. And so I just want to give you a feel of that this morning because I want you to leave feeling encouraged and full of gratitude to God. Let's start in the financial arena. These are metrics that you can count. I can't count, but others do. We exceeded our budget in 2017. I was getting teased between services because we wrote 2018 up here. And they said, are you a prophet? And I said, absolutely. What's your problem? So we changed it back to what it should be. But we exceeded our budget last year. Do you remember when we were standing up here last year saying, man, we need 100000 bucks in the last week. We need $200,000 in the last two weeks. And God met that through your generosity. So God has been so good to us. We expect, although we don't have all the numbers yet, to exceed our budget goal again in 2018. And then we have this... $4 million pledge mark from our Illuminate project, which is to grow our general fund, to restore our building. We have over $3 million in hard pledges, and then the expectation of gifts and through a formula of tithing will hit this $4 million mark likely, and that's what we're going to have to work with. For a church our size, that's a lot of money. God provided through you, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he does in the future. So that's financial. In children's ministry this year, we had 20% growth in Sunday morning attendance from 2017 to 18. We had growth in MOPS. Now, MOPS is mothers of preschoolers. It meets every other week, and each week there are 100 kids here each time MOPS meets. And the wonderful thing about this ministry is that these are a lot of women who aren't attached to a church. They're looking, they're searching. We have a chance not only to help them, but to take care of their kids. And so that's exciting to watch that grow. We've also had a successful VBS. Eight children received Christ at VBS, and 11 children have come to know Christ in our children's ministry this year. That's exciting and something to celebrate. In our youth ministry, even though Kevin has been ill and he's, he's being nursed back to health and God's doing some really wonderful things in his body, God still worked in our youth program. Tara's done a fantastic job. We had a successful kickoff event in 2018. 55 students attended that kickoff event. We had 80 students and leaders attend the Pulse event, which was downtown in the Viking Stadium. Five students received Christ at that event, and several other students 
have made decisions for Jesus in our youth ministry this year. In community groups, this is what Neil oversees. And as we build out and we, we connect each, with each other in these groups, we now have 23 community groups operating here at Ridgewood. And here's a number that you might not be familiar with, but this is really an exciting number. 30-plus community group attendees do not attend our church. Let me explain that to you. We've been talking a lot about moving the front door of our church out into our neighborhoods and leaving a chair open for non-believers in your community group. That means that's exactly what you're doing. So well done. There are 30 people not connected with Ridgewood that are coming to community groups. That's exciting. That means that there is evangelism taking place. If you walk through and look at all of those lanterns and how people received Christ, community groups are on a lot of those tags and relationships that were developed in community groups. And then we had several new believers, as I said. So that's community groups. In our women's ministry, we had many successful events. This one particularly stuck out to me. 100 women attending the Christmas coffee. 100 women. It's a lot of women. Best part about it? Many of them were non-believers, and you brought them, and that's exciting. We have a growing women's Bible study. We have an addition of an evening women's Bible study. So God is working in our ministry to women. In our men's ministry, we had more successful men's breakfasts, and Scott Mullen continues to do a fantastic job with those. We had amazing times together, including camping, where it rained really hard, and twins games, where it rained really hard. We were at the Twins game for like nine and a half, ten hours. We got to know each other really well until we all left in the second inning because we just couldn't stay there any longer. But we had fun together doing that. Now, new members. We had 22 new members join the church this year, and that's exciting. It really is. And we're going to have more members and more membership classes next year. So if you're interested at all in joining the church, being part of what we're doing at Ridgewood, Watch for those membership classes and praise God for these people that went through this process. And then to new believers. 54 new believers in 2018. And maybe we're not done yet. We still have another couple of days. But each one of these people is a real person. Each one of these people has a story. Aside from the Easter conversions where we had about 10 we know who all these people are and who's discipling them and how they came to faith. So these aren't pretend numbers. We're not making them up. And the exciting thing about this is that every one of these people has been rescued from darkness into the kingdom of light. That's exciting. That's why we're here. If a church isn't doing... Yes, thank you for that. A church that's not making disciples and reaching in is not a church. That's the central mission of our church. So I think that's super exciting. And we can say yes to God and thank you to God for that. In fact, we can say thank you to God and amen to all of his work. Now, I could go on and on, and some of you have experienced me when I go on and on, so I'm not going to do that to you this morning. But I will say this. This is the kind of work of God that Paul referred to when he said that we must utter our amen to God for his glory. Because all of this work brings glory to God. Sure, we're working hard. Our staff works hard. Our board works hard. We all pray hard. We serve hard. But ultimately, it's God that pulls the trigger. So he gets all of the glory. And the word amen simply means, so be it. 
It's a confirmation. It's a stamp of approval. So when we say amen, we're saying yes, just like Paul did. All of these promises are yes in Christ. So Paul urged his congregation to end prayers and end singing with amen because he knew Jesus. He believed in Jesus. He loved Jesus. And that's what I want so desperately for our church. All of these promises are based on Christ. They come through grace because we are adopted children and we enjoy that incredible fruit. So, is that the end of the story? No, we have an incredible future ahead here at Ridgewood Church and I think it will be impactful and I think it's going to help grow the kingdom. God has things on the table that I'm excited to share with you. I want you to circle a date on your calendar if you would the annual meeting. I know what you're thinking. Oh, really? Annual meeting? Yes, yes. Sunday, January 27th at 4 p.m. We're going to get updates on our Illuminate project. We're going to do exciting glimpses into the future. Here's the thing. This isn't going to be just the normal, you know, hammer the gavel, Robert's rules of order. It's going to be some of that because it's, that's the fun part. But we're also going to have interactive times together. I'm going to share some vision. We're going to pray together. It's going to be an exciting night because, believe it or not, annual meetings can be fun because God wants us to have fun as Christians. New concept. I understand that. Here's some of the things that we're going to cover, all right? We're going to talk about that building restoration. We're going to talk about community groups. Neil's going to give us an update on that. Here's something I'm really excited about. We're going to talk about multiplication and efforts to grow leaders and to do church planting, both from within our church leaders and outside of our church. That's what this residency program is. It's, think of it this way. Think of it as an internship program on steroids. These are people that have already said, I'm called to ministry. I want to be mentored and I want to be used. I want to be sent out. It can be within our church or without, but we're excited about that and we're moving forward on that. We're going to talk about finding a global missions focus. We're going to talk about a congregation-wide Bible reading plan. That I'm excited about that. We're all going to enter in as we begin the new year. We're going to discover partnerships with other churches that are starting to come into view. And I'm excited about that because I'm meeting some fantastic leaders around the Twin Cities. And we're going to move toward the family this year. We're going to help you find a place where you can call home for your entire family and feel like everyone's being discipled. And so we have this incredibly wonderful future ahead of us. But what we need to do as a congregation is we need to be humble. We need to be on our knees. We need to be unselfish. And we need to pray. I am an intellectual giant, so this is what I came up with for the next point. This took a long time. Pray like crazy. Pray like crazy. Prayer has gotten this church so far in, the, in just the last few years because you have prayed and prayed. If you come here on Wednesday, it's so heartening. There's people all over the building praying. But I want each of us to enter into that prayer, praying for wisdom, praying that God would continue to get more people saved, and praying for gaps in our church. I know we have gaps. We don't have it all tackled. So pray for those areas, resources, and ministry focus. Pray like crazy. Because here's the reality, is when you're beginning to move forward, you're going to run into an enemy. And this enemy is going to attack. 
And so if you look at the, the scripture in 1 Peter, we see it. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a, a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. You're the someone. I'm the someone. Because I'm a fantastic recruiter of volunteers, when we were going through this in Vancouver, just getting started and Satan was attacking, I would pull people in. They'd, want, they'd come, I want to volunteer at this thing or I want to be on staff. And here's what I would say to them. Don't use this. It's not a good sales pitch. I would say, do you know what you're getting into? Because Satan is attacking. We would walk around the outside of the church and we would find these little kind of voodoo little marks where um, that part of Vancouver, western Vancouver, into Vancouver Island is very much saturated with new age, occult. We would find these signs of these different occult groups in our city that were praying against our church. And so I would say, do you know what you're getting into? Because we're all under attack. And when somebody says yes to that, you know you got something. And a lot of people did, because they trusted God. And here's why we can trust God, because the Bible says that Jesus is more powerful than the enemy. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Yes, in Christ. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And so as we move forward, I want you to just say to yourself, wow, i got to spend some time meditating on what God has done. There's some amazing things that have happened. But to think about for next year, how am I going to serve? How, how can I pray? How can I lift other believers up? How can I become less selfish about church? And so we can all come together and do this together. But for today, I want to just, as we sing, just to take a couple of minutes and not talk about strategy and not talk about vision. I just want to spend some time singing and praising God with full hearts, thankful that he never wavers and that every promise is yes in Christ. Let's pray together. We are so thankful, God, that you have shown grace immeasurably. Not only have you sent your son Jesus Christ to sacrifice himself, but you have allowed us to be a part of this amazing plan. You have reached out and you have allowed us to become your children. And so we desire deep within our souls to help others to become members of your family. And so empower us to do that. Give us the wisdom to know how to do that. And God, now we sing and we praise you because you are so good. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Ridgewood Church Podcast. For more faith-based resources or information about Ridgewood Church, visit us at myrwc.org.